Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. Super excited you are here. Have another episode coming up right now. But I was thinking and I was like, okay, Chantel, you haven't really shared very much of your testimony with the podcast audience. And I really want to do that. And so this podcast is going to be of a speaking engagement I actually did in London for a women's faith-based conference where I share my testimony about how I found my confidence in God, how I built my confidence in God that eventually turned into the platform I now have called Confidently His. And so this is that speaking engagement with all the audience interaction and everything So tune in and please enjoy. Good evening, ladies. (laughs) You know what's so funny? After uh, somebody introduces you, the intros are always um, awkward because you don't know whether to be like, ha ha, thanks, or yeah, I did that. You know, like you want to be like, "Uh, thank you. (laughs) I'm super excited to speak to you ladies tonight. Um, But I would like to start out with a confession, if you may. My confession is that I worried about what to wear tonight. And I know two things about that. You know, like, I was worried, is this summery enough? You know, it's long sleeves, it's not bright colors. Can I wear eyelashes? You know, uh, is it okay to wear bright red lipstick to a church thing? You know, like all of those things. (laughs) I worried about what I was going to wear tonight. And I know two things. I know that number one, I'm not the only one, right? I know that the outfit that you have on right now is probably not the first thing that you picked out. (laughs) I know if, if you're like me, I know that your room probably looks a little messy right now from putting on things, taking off things, trying to figure out what was gonna be right, right? Uh, Amen, I'm glad I'm not the only one. I'm just making sure I'm in the right room. So I know that, but the other thing I know is that even though that is us almost every day, and definitely when we're going to something important, that we don't let it stop us. That we show up looking the best we can, and we do the best we can wherever we go, and we do it every single day. And so the question I have to ask you today is, if we all feel insecure, And if we all deal with confidence and insecurity, why don't we talk about it more? Why don't we have these conversations? Anyone have any ideas why we don't have these conversations? I'm not going to be the only one talking here, just so we know. Like, y'all going to talk about it, right? So why don't we talk about confidence and insecurity if we're all going through it? Right here. Shame. Yes. Embarrassment. Uh Uh-huh. Right there. And then... We care what other people think about us. Yes. Yes, we're scared that somebody is going to manipulate our weakness. Yeah, we're scared to, to, to show weakness. One more. The stigma attached to it. Like if I tell you that I'm insecure, you're going to use it against me and you're going to think, you're going to think that I'm weak because I'm insecure, right? I'm here to tell you that we all feel insecure. We all feel this way. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what your resume says. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many compliments you get. We all go through this. And that's the cool thing. You know what's even cooler is the fact that evidence backs this up. 
67% of women say they need more confidence to feel like they can be leaders, not be leaders, to feel like we can. Dove did a study that said only or that 94% of women would not consider themselves beautiful. 94% of women, wow, that goes against everything I'm seeing right here. I know that goes against everything that you're seeing right now. But so many of us would not call ourselves beautiful ladies. It's so crazy, especially in college. Many women go into college more confident than they come out of college. And so this is something that we are all going through. So I have another question for you. What's the difference between confidence and competence? Confidence and competence. Anyone want to take a try at that? Okay, I see you back there. Yes. One is a skill and the other one is a feeling. Okay, girl. Yeah. (laughs) Anyone want to add anything to that? Have another perspective? No, I think she hit it right on the head. So competence is the ability you have to do something, right? You either can or can't. You're either competent or you're not. You have the ability to do it. Confidence is your belief in your ability to do it. It doesn't matter. You can be the most competent person, but if you don't believe that you can do it, then why does it matter? Are you going to do it? No, right? And so this is interesting because competence is I'll use my life as an example, and we're going to use my life as a lot of examples because my life has, I've been all over the place on this spectrum of competence and confidence. Competence is what Michelle started out with. It's all the resume stuff. It's the fact that I went to Vanderbilt. I played in the WNBA for six years. I was drafted second overall. After I left the WNBA, I went into corporate America and grew my sales territory from 250000 to $3.2 million in under 18 months. It's... <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's all of these things that... It's the check mark. It's the resume stuff. It's the thing that when we introduce ourselves, we want to just slide that good old resume over there and be like, hey, this is me, right? But we also have the other side. We also have confidence. We also have the things that don't help us to believe that we can do it. Confidence is different. Confidence is the belief that we can do things But it basically boils down to one question. Am I enough? Am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I skinny enough? Am I talented enough for this position? Am I pretty enough or feminine enough for him to love me? Am I enough for them to respect me and treat me as worthy? Am I enough? Basically, confidence comes down to that one question. I've had to ask myself this question a lot, a lot in my life. I remember the first time I asked myself this question, it was around the third grade. I grew up in a two-parent household. Uh, We lived on a cul-de-sac in Napa Court, which is Southern California. Rarely rains. It was beautiful. My parents had a great job, (laughs) great jobs. My dad was a perfusionist in the hospital. My mom was a physical therapist. They were college sweethearts. It was great. Me and my two sisters. 
And then I remember we moved up to um, Vancouver, Washington, and that's when I realized that my mom was not well. And my parents started fighting, and, and all of a sudden things went crazy. And me and my sisters had no idea what was going on, but they ended up getting a divorce. My dad told me he knew that they had to get a divorce when he got so mad one time that he punched a hole in the wall because he knew that the next time he didn't want that to be my mom. And so he knew that because of everything that was going on, they had to get divorced. And so they did. And me and my sisters moved down to Southern California with my mother. What we didn't know at the time was that she was suffering from schizoaffective disorder. So if you don't know what that is, schizoaffective disorder is a mixture between schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. So you experience the highs and lows of bipolar, but you also are um, schizophrenic in that you don't know what is real and what is fake. And so me and my sisters had to uh, deal with this mental illness with my mom. And I remember one time, my sister Kristen, she was in the kitchen and she spilled the milk in the kitchen, on the kitchen floor. You know, we were kids. And uh, we didn't have any paper towels because my mom had forgotten to go to the store. And so when Kristen told my mom that we didn't have anything to clean it up with, my mom went in the kitchen and started beating her for spilling the milk in the first place. And I just remember running in to, and seeing my mom beating my little sister and I started attacking her and I'm just hitting her back. And I'm like, stop hitting my sister. Stop hitting my sister. She turns around and she backhands me across the room. And then she stops hitting Kristen and she just starts beating me with her fists. And it was one of the worst beatings I had had to that point. From that point on, she never touched Kristen again. But I had just unknowingly doubled my own abuse. We lived in that situation for three and a half years, and it was really hard. It's interesting that when your mom is, is supposed to love you and she doesn't, something in you just stops believing that you are worth being loved. And so I became very dark. I became obsessed with horror movies. I became um, very self-hating. And it was cool because when I became, when I got to um, the sixth grade, my dad, uh, I finally told my dad what was going on and he took my mom to court and uh, the judge took us away. So it was awesome. I had to go up in front of the judge and tell him like, listen, this is what's going on. We can't stay here, right? And it was great because we were transported from a world of abuse and welfare and sharing a bathroom with roaches to a new world that was sports and family dinners and Bibles, right? And so it was awesome, except that I didn't really believe that I deserved this new life. And my school didn't help. I went to school, and as you can tell, I'm super tall. I'm six foot six, <laughs> and I was tall back then. And I got bullied a ton. And I had glasses that took up my whole face. And we were, I was on the math team, which back then, listen, that took away all chance I had of being cool. Like, <laughs> and then we lived in the Pacific Northwest, and so there, there wasn't weave back then, listen. <laughs> And it rained all the time. And so my hair was pulling. <laughs> y'all know. Y'all know. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, I, I talked properly. I've always talked like this. And so I got teased for being a white girl. And there was, there was a black girl that used to wait all the time and try, threatened to beat me up. And so I used to hide and cry in the bathroom from being bullied and hiding from being beat up. So I didn't think that I was worthy enough. 
But then I started playing basketball. And uh, my dad made me play. I hated it at first. But I started playing basketball and I got really good at it. And it was awesome because then people started telling me that I was amazing. I became the best player on the West Coast. I became like I was all everything. I was playing on the best AAU team, um, but the best summer basketball team in the country. We were national champions and um, everything was good. Everyone was telling me I was amazing, except that I still, again, competence, but I still didn't feel confident because I didn't believe anything that they were saying about me. And so I started to feel like my life was spiraling out of control. I had this whole building, this resume that was being built, and it was better than everyone I could think of, you know? But at the same time, I was like, I'm a fake. I don't deserve any of this. I don't believe these people. They tell me I'm amazing. I feel worthless. At that point, I started burning myself with lighters. I would just sit there and it was because my, the pain was so deep in my mind and it was so deep in my heart and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand where this pain was coming from because I was like, my life is awesome. Why am I so depressed? Why am I so miserable? Right? And so I started burning myself and cutting myself and starving myself and throwing up because it was the one thing that I could control. I could control when that pain started and when it stopped. And so I started doing it. I started exacting some type of control over my life because I felt like that was the only way that I could prove to myself that I was the person I felt like. All these people thought I was all this other stuff. That wasn't true. I was, I was worthless, right? So I was going through that. And then on this side... I signed a full ride scholarship to Vanderbilt and uh, I was so excited because I was going to go across the country and I was going to become the star that I always knew I was supposed to be. And I was like, I was super ambitious. I just felt like I wasn't going to do it, but I knew I was like, okay, I'm going to, when I become a star, I'm going to finally feel good enough. Right. I knew that was going to answer my question. Am I enough? Yep. When you're a star. So I was going to go over to Vanderbilt and I was going to become a star. Two weeks before I graduated high school, I was at this party. By that time, I had started drinking, smoking, dating guys, being being kind of out there for a high school student. And um, I was at this party with some arena football players, and uh, I ended up getting raped two weeks before I graduated high school. And it was crazy because after it happened, I looked in the mirror and I was like, This is proof that you are as worthless as you feel. He didn't care about your resume. Your resume couldn't save you from that. Your basketball couldn't save you from that. Your house, your Bibles, your church couldn't save you from that. This is proof that you are who you you feel like you are. And I looked in the mirror and I had so much much self-loathing. I didn't even blame him, honestly. I was like, okay, you deserve that. But two weeks later, I graduated high school. And I was like, okay, it's time to go off and become a star. Of course, I couldn't tell anyone because I'm a strong woman, right? I'm an all-American. I have it all together. I can't tell you that I was just raped. And so I don't tell anyone. And 
I go off to Vanderbilt and I expect, right? I'm going to get on the plane and then I'm going to step off the plane and I'm going to be a new person, (laughs) right? The crazy thing is, but don't we do that as women so often? (laughs) Like we think that if I, if I cut my hair or get a new weave, (laughs) if I get a makeover, if I get a new man or, or woman, if I get a new job, whatever I do, I just need a makeover. I just need to move. But the thing is, the same you always shows up wherever you are. Doesn't that suck? <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> How did you get here? I thought you, I thought I left you back there. <laughs> So that's what happened. Um, so that was freshman year in, in college, and it was crazy. Oh, it's hot up here. I'm sorry if you if you see me sweating. Um, so freshman year in college, I get there, and of course I'm I'm doing all the interviews and I'm doing everything. And the crazy thing is, when you're on stage, everyone's watching you, and when you're broken on stage. You're sitting there trying to figure out how to fix yourself without anyone noticing while everyone is watching. And for the first time in my life, (laughs) that pressure, I I could vocalize that pressure. And I understood what that pressure looked like, right? Um, And it was cool because I went to the South and all of a sudden all these guys started being interested in me. So the dynamics in America on the West Coast, they're, they're, they're not checking for girls that look like me that often. But in the South, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, all right. And it was really cool because for the first time I had attention from men that um, I, basically anywhere I went. And I was like, wow, okay. So if I can get men, I'll finally feel like enough. I'll be enough. And uh, it was it was pretty cool. So I started getting attention from men. But because of the rape that had happened, I toyed with them. I became very manipulative. I was like, I couldn't control that situation. So you know what? I'm going to control every situation that I'm in with you, 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 and you. And if I don't want this to happen, it's not going to happen. You can say anything. And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be like, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got to go. <laughs> right? I was so manipulative. And it became easy for me. But it didn't make me feel like enough. It, the control didn't help anything. It didn't solve anything. So then after my freshman year, after I got bored with that, I met a woman. And I met her playing basketball. And for the first time, I met someone who wouldn't just be a toy. She actually made me talk about what was going on. She actually made me commit. And she actually said, no, we're not going to do this. And so I was like, wow, maybe this is the love that I need. Maybe this is what will help me to be enough. And so I started dating her. And we were together on and off for about five years. And I always like, it didn't feel, it felt natural. It didn't feel right though. I remember my first crush was on a blonde haired, blue eyed boy named Jeff in the second grade. And I remember my second crush was on a Filipino girl named Jan in third grade. And so I knew that I had already had this in me, but I decided to act on it. 
sophomore year in college. And it was crazy because I genuinely, like, that relationship was awesome in a lot of ways because it showed me how I was meant to be treated in a relationship. But at the end of the day, I could not have any peace because God is the God of peace. And where God is not, there is no peace. And so I... I didn't know that at that time, but I know it now. And so, but I started and I, that led to, there were many times when I tried to sex myself straight, but it never worked. And I was in and out of that lifestyle for 10 years. And really I, I dated whoever I wanted. It was men, it was women, it was men, it was women. But at the end of the day, it was never enough. Even when I was drafted second overall to the WNBA, I remember it was draft day and I was sitting there and I was just like, man, I've had this goal since high school. I just got drafted second overall. And I'm laying in my, I'm laying in my, um, five star hotel room that they had paid for, flown me to the draft and everything. And I'm like, man, I still feel the same. I don't feel like enough. When am I going to be enough? I've had the high profile relationships. I've had the, the accomplishments. I just, I just achieved my childhood dream and I'm still not enough. What is going on? And so fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I'm living this reckless life, right? I'm a pro athlete. I'm living it up, just continuing this life, trying to find some way. And I always say that some people need a tap on the shoulder and others need a two by four upside the head. I'm the latter for the record. And, uh, (laughs) and so I broke my kneecap playing basketball and it was the most painful injury I'd ever had. And, uh, I remember praying to God and I said, okay, God, Please help me recover from this injury. And when you do, I will give you all the glory. I'll start living right. And has anyone ever prayed that prayer? I'm not the only one, right? Okay, cool. Good. (laughs) Making sure we're still tracking here. Um, Okay, God, I'm going to live right. I'm going to do what you do. Just help me, help me heal. And he did. I came back from that, I came back from that injury and I was at the top of my game, was in the best shape of my life. I was killing. I went over to uh, Turkey to play on the second best team in Turkey. And, uh, four games in, I was averaging like 20 points and 13 rebounds, something crazy like that. And, um, it was amazing. But what I noticed was uh, later that God didn't forget that prayer. Amen. So, so me and my teammate are sitting in before the game. Uh, me and my teammate are sitting getting our pregame meal, and she's like, "Yeah, I listen. I like to listen to gospel music uh, before the game." And I'm like, "Gospel music? Why would you be listening to that before the game? That don't get you hype." <laughs> and it's so crazy. I just said that and didn't even think about it. And then that very night in the game, I was killing again, and I caught the ball and I turned. And I tore my Achilles. And I just remember I was on the ground and I was just bawling my eyes out, screaming, I cannot do this again. I cannot do this again. Because I knew what it was as soon as it happened. And so I go to the hospital and they have surgery. I have surgery the next day. And um, as I'm, you know, high on meds and all of that stuff, I start questioning God. And I'm like, God, how could you do this to me? And he said, 
you cannot have any other gods before me. And you know what? It's interesting because I didn't believe, I believed in God, but I had never felt like I had a real relationship with him, even when I was in church. I was like, everyone else thinks he's real, but I don't feel him. Where is he, right? And in that moment, it was just this giant, soft voice. <laughs> Not to get all woo spiritual honey, on you, but like, it was crazy because I, I literally, I didn't hear it. Like, it wasn't like Chantel, right? But, but this thought just popped into my head and I knew it was God because I wouldn't have said that to myself. <laughs> and it was just so simple and something I could not argue with, right? What do you say to that? You can have another, no other gods before me. <laughs> and then I said, that's not fair. Basketball is what I do. And he said, I'm God. I don't owe you anything. Oh, <laughs> came from my whole life. Came from my whole life. So then I'm like, let me stop arguing. And I said, I can't do this. And he said, yes, you can. And I said, no, I can't. And he said, trust me and you will have everything you need. And in that moment, in that hospital bed in Turkey, it was like someone had taken a blanket off my head and I realized that I was not in control. And if I was not in control, then I needed to follow the one who was. I also realized that I had always known it was God, but didn't want to admit it. And in that moment, he reminded me of that prayer I had prayed and then he had answered and then I had forgotten about it. He reminded me of that. And I said, okay, I'm going to do life your way. And in that moment, peace just washed over the room. I was still broken. I was still sad. I was still crippled, but I was peaceful for the first time in a very long time. And it was crazy. I didn't know what doing life God's way meant at that point. So I went home I went back to San Antonio where I was living and uh, I started to rehab uh, with my team. And um, I remember I got really down Again, I didn't forget this promise, but I didn't know what that looked like. And so I was just like asking God, I was kind of talking to him. But I remember I called one of my guy friends and I said, yo, I need some weed. He said, come, on, come over. Sorry. So I came over. And um, while, he's, while he's rolling the blunt, the next blunt, because we'd already had one, uh, while he's rolling the next blunt, I see a gun on the coffee table right there. And he saw me looking at it and he was like, have you ever seen a gun before? And I was like, no. And he picked it up and he handed it to me. And I felt it. It was cold and it was heavy. But for the first time in a long time, I felt powerful. Everything in my life was spiraling out of control. And I felt powerful for the first time in a long time. And I put that gun to my head, loaded gun to my head. And I wished I could pull the trigger. And I remember thinking to myself, you are such a coward for not pulling this trigger. But I chose not to. And in that moment, I actually took a picture because I'm like, if I ever get off of this rock bottom, I want to remember this moment where I chose not to kill myself. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't now. I meant... Uh, <laughs> And so after, after we were done, I drove home. <laughs> Thankfully, by God's grace, I made it home. And I just went to the freezer and I grabbed a bottle of vodka and I downed half the bottle of vodka. 
And then I laid down on my living room floor and I started crying like this deep. You ever had one of those deep cries where it comes from like the pit of your stomach and you're like silent, but sobbing. It's one of those cries. And before I passed out, I remember saying one thing, God, please help me. And in the middle of the night, at some point, I woke up and I got in my bed because the next morning I woke up with a really big headache, but I was in my bed and I woke up, right? And so I considered that a sign from God that I was meant to do something. I was like, he answered my prayer. I meant to do something. And so at that point, I started reading my Bible because I didn't, I didn't really believe the Bible was true, but I was like, okay, if I, I said I'm going to do life God's way, I, I need to find this God, right? And he's probably somewhere in there, even though I don't really believe it, but he's, he's somewhere in there. And so I started reading it and I said, I'm going to change whatever God tells me to. And I started being convicted of things in my lifestyle, one after the another, after another, not because I saw it in the scriptures at that point, but just because I started feeling very uncomfortable about doing it because I had this growing relationship with God. And so it was interesting because through the next four and a half years, God literally grabbed my hand and walked me out of the desert that I had walked myself into. And it was awesome because after that happened, I got asked to study the Bible by women in this same church, not in London, but was, it was in Houston. And for the first time, I was like, oh, me and God are good. But I saw something different in them. I saw a light that was a little different than the other religious people that I had met, right? And so I was like, okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for them. I'm, I'm going to do this with them. And it was really cool because the Bible study showed me what that doing life God's way really looked like from the scriptures. And it was really awesome because I had been looking for that the last four and a half years, but they finally explained to me like, yeah, you've done all of this. There's a couple more things you need to do to really do life God's way. And we're going to help you do it. And we're going to walk with you and do it with you. It was awesome. I was like, oh my gosh. And then that is when the fireworks happened because I was like, wow, I have my life and now I have it biblically sound. And you put those together and it was like, oh my gosh, it was so awesome. (laughs) And so over the last five and a half years ago, I was baptized on September 17th, 2013. And, um, Over the last six years, it's been really awesome because what God has done is he has taught me that I am enough in him. That as long as he says I'm enough, then I'm enough. And for the first time, I feel like enough. And even when I don't, I can go back to the Bible and put God's opinion of me over my opinion of me and over my feelings, right? And so it's really cool because he's been teaching me not only how to believe I'm enough, but then how to walk like I'm enough. And that's where confidence really comes from, right? Is to walking like we're enough in every single situation we're in. And so through this journey, um, if it's okay, I want to share a few practicals that I have found for that we can do every single day to walk like we're enough. You guys okay with that? Okay, awesome. Oh, where'd it go? All right. 
Oh my gosh. As I was talking, I just, I just like erased my own thing. This is why you don't use technology. Um, okay. The first practical number one, trust in who God made you to be. And it's awesome. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I love this. I remember, um, I think about Kiara's testimony where she said that there are standards in the beauty industry that if they tell you you're not pretty enough, then you're not pretty enough, right? But God says we're pretty enough. God says we're enough. God says we were created in advance to do great things, right? And so... In order to walk confidently, we need to choose to believe what God says over what other people say, what we say, which is sometimes the hardest one, right? Um, what we feel. We have to put what God says about us over everything. And so trust in who God made you to be with all of your talents, with all of your beauty, with your unique beauty. That's who God made you to be. The next one is to chase your fear. So in 2017, I, um, I made a New Year's resolution. It was actually the first time I had made New Year's resolutions in a very long time. And uh, I made one. And that one New Year's resolution, and I'm going to challenge all of you guys to make this right now. Right. <laughs> this one New Year's resolution was that I was going to do everything I was afraid of. Everything I was afraid of. When I realized, when I had the thought to do something, obviously not like jumping off crazy things and you know, don't, don't do something crazy and then be like, Chantel told me to. No, 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 no. Like, <laughs> amen. But like everything I was afraid of that was positive, I was going to do. And it changed my life. That year changed my life. And it's awesome. Joshua, Joshua 1.9. Oh, man, I, I erased this. I'm so mad. But it says, do not be, be courageous. Don't be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's a paraphrase. But that's what it says. <laughs> and um, it's really cool because if God is holding your hand, why are you scared? Why are we scared? Right? And so I want to challenge you ladies to do everything you're afraid of that includes God holding your hand along the way. And when I chose to do that, it changed my life. And the cool thing about fear is that it hangs out with anything worth doing. Like really, if, um, if you're not, if you're going to do something new, if you're going to do something great, if you're going to chase your dreams, if you're going to use your talents, you're going to be afraid. Do not, do not wait until you're not afraid. Chase your fear and fight it with faith. And then you will be able to walk confidently every single step of the way. So that's the second practical. The next practical is walk in grace and gratitude. So this is really huge for me because, um, I have a, I'm a very guilty soul. <laughs> I have a lot of shame from, you know, abuse, from rape, from putting myself in positions that I shouldn't have been in, from, um, having attractions that I don't necessarily, that, that aren't of God, right? I have a lot of shame and I have to make a choice daily whether to walk in shame or to walk in grace and gratitude. And so I want to encourage you. That is, that is actually a mantra of mine that I say all the time. I say, fail fast. 
and I say grace and gratitude, right? Fail fast comes with chasing your fear. The quicker you fail, the quicker you succeed. But as you're failing fast, you have to live in grace and gratitude. And um, I love this scripture. It's Romans 8.1. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation, no shame, no guilt, no anything for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we have to remember that and we have to choose, number one, to walk in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's where it comes in. That's where me trying to do life God's way. I realized that doing life God's way alleviated so much of my shame, alleviated so much of my guilt because this promises that there is no condemnation for me as long as I am walking in Christ Jesus. So I love that. Um, so walk in grace and gratitude. And then the gratitude, the gratitude part is just like, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll beat myself up. I'll say, oh, Chantel, you're worthless for that. Or why did you do that? You're just stupid. Or, you know, like my, I've had to really check my negative self-talk, right? And um, that's why I always say grace and gratitude, grace and gratitude. It's something I work on all the time. And, um, but gratitude is like, okay, that could have, that could have been better, but it could have been so much worse, right? And that's the gratitude part. Thank you for not making it so much worse. Yeah, parts of my life sucked, but if I hadn't gone through it, I couldn't tell you about it. If I hadn't gone through it, I couldn't grab your hand and pull you out of it. If I hadn't gone through it, I wouldn't be able to understand anything and be compassionate about anything anybody else has gone through. And so it could have been worse. I could have ended up in a ditch. I could have ended up looking like what I've been through. Right? Like I could have, Somebody told me that the other day. They're like, geez, you don't look like what you've been through. I'm like, thanks. I think. No, but like, you know, always that like grace. You're doing the best you can right now. And gratitude. It could have been worse. Right? Grace and gratitude. And then the last one is fall in love with Jesus. I think that um, so many people say that we have to love Jesus right away. And here's the thing. We don't. You don't have to love Jesus right now. I don't care if you love Jesus right now. Because here's the thing. (laughs) You can't love someone you don't know. Right? You can't love someone you're not spending time with. When you're in a dating relationship, you don't see someone and be like, oh my gosh, I love you. You might lust after them, but you don't know them. You're not ready to die for them. You don't love them. But you know what you do? You go on a date with them. You decide that they're interesting enough to get to know. And you may not be ready to erase every other number in your phone. You may not be ready to not take those random calls. But at some point you will be because you're like, okay, I could go, I could go out here, but I don't really want to, right? Because I want to spend time with this person. And then at some point you're going to say, I'm ready till death do us part. And that's when you know that you're in love. And that's when you know that this, this guy, this Jesus guy is yours for the rest of your life, right? But you got to fall in love with him first. And so one of the things I say is just date Jesus, Make your times in the morning with him special. If you don't know him yet, start having individual dates every single day in the morning. First thing, date Jesus so you can get to know him. And if you do know him and you don't feel like you're in love with him, 
Date your husband. Date Jesus again. Why? Because if you don't feel like you love him, you love him. You just don't feel like it. Get to know him all over again. Let him court you. Get to know his character all over again. And that is when you will fall in love with him. And so I want to encourage you to date Jesus. Um, I love this scripture in Romans 10, 17. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. There's no dates without the Bible. Why? Because God speaks to us through the Bible. Right? And yes, he can drop things in our spirit and we can hear these little voices, but God's spirit will never contradict God's word. And those little voices can be, um, can be corrupted by our feelings and our own desires. The word never changes. There's no dates without the word. And I love the scripture because the more you're in the word, even if you don't believe it, the more you're in the Bible, the more faith you'll have in his character and his love for you. And so you have to date Jesus. I love this because one of the things that I have learned in the last five years is having my identity in Christ is the only way that I will ever feel like enough. It is the only way that I'll ever feel confident. It's funny, I was doing a speech the other day. I was speaking at a conference and there were 800 women in the audience. And um, <laughs> so I did the speech and then I opened it up for Q&A afterwards. And this woman, she said, okay, I hear all your practicals. But what happens when I'm just not feeling it? What happens when I've done all these things and I just don't feel confident? And it was awesome because I said, I said, you know, honestly, I walked up on this stage and uh, five minutes in, I was like, can I walk off and start over? Because I, I, it was not one of my better speeches. Let me just tell you. And um, during the speech, I was having two conversations. I was like, come on, Chantel, like get your life together. And then I was actually speaking. <laughs> so it was, it was crazy. And so I told her, I was like, you know, some days you don't feel it. Some days you don't feel confident. None of us feel confident all the time. None of us. And Honestly, today was a day I don't feel confident. Not, not today. I feel great today. Amen. Thank God. <laughs> but that day, I, I told her this. That day, I, this day, I don't feel confident. But you know what? We get up here and we do the best we can. And we trust that our words and whatever we say and whatever we do are going to yield the impact that it is meant to impact. And it's going to do the job that it was meant to do. And it was crazy because that was not one of my better speeches, but... I ended up walking out with a job offer, with a um, speaking offer from Google. Crazy, right? But it's, but it's awesome because at the end of the day, as a speaker, as a professional women, woman, as somebody who is still very ambitious and chasing my dreams and trying to conquer the world for God, amen, then, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter how good I do. Because at the end of the day, my confidence is in God. And I know that he will use me for whatever he wants to use me. And so my best is always good enough. I'm always pretty enough. It doesn't matter if I'm up here sweating like whatever. (laughs) I'm always speaking well enough. Why? Because he can use my words. I don't even have to say it. I can say whatever. And he can use my words to touch your heart if he wants to. Right? All we have to do is put our confidence in God and then we can be confidently his everywhere we go. And it's, it's amazing. We'll be confident every day. So 
I hope this helped you. I really, really appreciate you guys listening. One thing I love about this room is that there are so many women out here in this room who have learned to put their confidence in what God says about them and put their confidence in what the Bible says about them. And so if you're visiting today, make sure you get with the person who brought you and just ask her like, okay, how did you do this? Like, how did you figure this out? How can I put my confidence in God? Because God is the only thing that can't be taken away from us. He's the only thing that won't fail. And he's the only thing that will make us feel like enough. Thank you so much.